Hi everybody, this is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, Robbie. I uh, enjoy a good pastiche now and again, and uh, this one, you know, did, it wasn't the worst. Homer with the car, on the other hand. <laughs> um, I, was, I think Homer should be banned from B-plots. I was fully expecting some rat references in your little your little uh, banter intro. I guess we we'll wait for that. But Robbie, the rat symbolizes obviousness, and you know me better than that. I don't like obvious things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am the biggest obvious person in the world. I need subtlety. I don't need any more obviousness. Uh, hello, 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 y'all. Hello, friends. We are brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. You support us by going to patreon.com slash the Simpsons show for $2 a month. You can access to all of our bonus podcasts for $5 a month. You can access to new episodes, uncut and early, plus an entire back catalog of old episodes, slightly remastered to sound slightly better. Can't get better than that. It is the best deal in all of podcasts. I don't hear any, any dissent on that. We have a person to thank. Matthew. Fantastic. Uh Gabe uh Bailing is my guess. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you, Gabe. Uh this week's episode is The Debarted, episode KBFO6, originally aired March 2nd, 2008, written by Joel H. Cohen, directed by Matthew Nastic. Received a 4.8 rating with 8.2 million viewers. The chalkboard gag. The art teacher is fat, not pregnant. What in the actual not a i i uh i okay i did not want to say that aloud but uh i was forced by the simpsons um i i that's not not a cool thing to say guys that's that's mean it's bad no, that's, you shouldn't that's be, you shouldn't do that you shouldn't say that about people that's that's a terrible you, you can just not say anything about you know what a person's appearance is it's very simple easy it's the easy thing to do say nothing keep your thoughts to yourself very simple thing uh the couch gag Two hands add to a light bright of the family on the couch. I feel like we've seen this one before, but maybe not. Oh, we've definitely seen it before. Yeah. We've... Okay. I just I feel like we have, but I mean I'm a I'm a big fan of light bright, so uh, it's not going to get any complaints from me. What what were you chuckling at? What was it? Nothing at what's all. Wrong, what's wrong? Nothing wrong? at all. All right. Well, how about we? How about we? How about we hold, control ourselves? Okay, Matt. Um, guest stars Topher Grace as Donnie. And Terry Gross as herself, very briefly. What a waste of Terry Gross. Let's be real. I, I mean, I don't see it like the only like I feel like the only way you can have Terry Gross is either as herself, um, or as another person who's just an interviewer. You know, like as another true as, a, true. as an analog, just who a bit, it would effectively still be playing herself technically. But I mean, like. It's going to be hard to fit her into an episode unless you have her literally interview Homer or something. Have, the Simpsons, have we had an episode of The Simpsons where they start a podcast yet? Uh, no, I don't think so. Like, what's taking so long? Seems like they should have by now. No, this is, come on, guys. Uh, I mean, The Simpsons is usually like a decade behind any pop culture reference, but I feel like podcasts have been around since before 2010. It's 2022, Matt. Like, I start, I live, was literally podcasting in 2013. Like, I don't know what, like, come on. Well, there you go. Next year, The Simpsons should pick it up. <sighs> okay. Um, I've lost just all my... I've lost everything. I've lost my all connections to Earth. So, uh, the episode begins with Marge driving Homer's car. She's a little uncomfortable with it. Bart and Lisa are fighting in the back seat. This... 
I, I will say that like this episode, uh, I think I called it a good episode in our last episode when we were when we were teasing it. The end of our you last did. episode, you did. I think because you didn't remember the B plot at all. I did not remember that. I think did I. I. Yeah, my brain. I think per, uh, when I, we last watched this episode, uh, when we when we did a bonus episode on our Patreon for the Departed, uh, I think my brain had erased all evidence of the B plot in my mind. It just cut. It just killed those brain cells immediately. There, I did not remember it. And I, uh, like, it really feels like you didn't need to be plotting this at all. <laughs> no, it could easily, you could have pulled this, stretch this a plot to more, do more stuff with it. And it would have been fine. There's plenty of room in there, uh, for more fun antics. Um, but the, <laughs> I don't know. So I'm not sure how I feel about the word good. Uh, I think the a plot is good. I'll say that. So Marge is driving Homer's car. She's uncomfortable. We find out that Homer has a side job as a taxi driver. Apparently, because he has a meter and a gun in the car, as well as his as his taxi license, um, Bart and Lisa are fighting in the back seat, and Marge accidentally rear ends Mole Man. Um, always nice to get a little Mole Man in an episode. I won't complain about that. A little, a little, a little get you a little Mole Man in your life. Can't be, can't be too bad about it. <laughs> Even though he uh, is immediately not germane to the plot, Mole Man gets rear ended, gets hit by the uh, airbag, and then is gone from the plot. Yeah. More mole man in the morning. Good mole man to you. <laughs> good mole man to you. So, and like, and I was going to say, like, yeah, I said the word good, and it might be a stretch for the entirety of the episode as a whole, but it does a lot of things right. And it feels, I think someone mentioned this in our in our uh, comments of the news group, one of our Patreon reviews of this episode, but I think someone mentioned it, like, it doesn't feel possible that the writing staff wrote both this episode and, like, last week's. Like, how do you do both? And because this is, it gets to the plots relatively quick, both the A and the B plot. It, despite how much you may not like, we both probably don't like the B plot very much, but it gets to that stuff fast. We have one scene, we have a single inciting incident, and then boom, we're into both A and the B plot in the subsequent scenes. Because we get to, because the, the, after the car crash, Bart is late to school. And he gets late to school, and there is a new kid. In class, in Bart C. And this is where we meet Donnie, played by Topher Grace, who does a great job. I feel like I I can think of only two things. I only have two other reference points for Topher Grace, I think. And one is obviously that 70s show. And then he played Venom in Spider-Man 3. And... <laughs> He was also in uh, some terrible movie about dating some rich guy's daughter. I can't remember that. That's all I remember him from. Okay, it's just I. So I don't know much about. I don't like. I don't think much about Topher Grace. Uh, aside from that terrible Spider-Man movie, but he's good in this. He Donnie's uh, Donnie is a a guest character that I like. Like he is a a, a one-off character that he he is uh, he he's right there alongside a. Uh, Steve Buscemi's character, who did they also was his name also Donnie? Did they also call him? Well, I think it was, but that's because of his character in. Um, I'm sure people are screaming to their screens right now. I mean, uh, I'm not saying I was gonna. I was giving you a chance, man. Like, I because I could have. I could have. appreciate that. I could have cut you off, but please, please go back and cut the silence. People, it, acts, it seems like I know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna cut everything. Make you sound really smart. This is definitely not gonna be in the final cut of this podcast. Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> so. Donnie's there, new kid, and uh, Bart needs a new seat. Which I, I don't know. This is a, it's not a clever gag, but the fact that that they like there is some good subtle jokes in here, and not even so subtle, but 
there are good gags where Willie brings in his new seat, and it's just a toilet, like, nailed to a plank of wood or something. Like, that's Bart's new desk, and he has to sit on this toilet. Um, Right next to, right between Donnie and Nelson. Donnie is uh, cutting up in class. He's clever. He's smart. He's quick-witted. All the kids think he's funny. He's a class clown and kind of immediately puts him at odds with Bart. Um, Because then we cut immediately to the playground outside and Donnie launches trash at the school and everyone thinks it's funny. Everyone is uh, thinks it's like, you know, thinks that Donnie's a uh, kind of usurping Bart's role uh, in the schoolyard. And they have a little bit of a face off. Look, new kid, I'm the head hamster in this habit trail, capiche? Well, maybe there's a new guinea pig in your cage. Capiche that? Oh, I capiche. I capiche just fine. Oh, well, you just keep on capiching. Seesaw! I even like the seesaw bit. I even like... Nelson, <laughs> I don't know. Seesaw. It's the. It's just. It's the same. Same rhythm as as, as the as the ha ha thing. I think that's it has its charm. So immediately set up the stakes. We it, we have Bart late to school. New kid has taken his place, literally and figuratively, and they are immediately at odds. Perfect. Get right to it. Then Matt. Unfortunately, the next scene after this. Sets up our B plot. Do we have to? Can we, we just I didn't not pl- talk I, about the B plot? I mean, I I would love to just skip it entirely, but we have to do our due diligence. I will say that I did not pull a single clip from the B plot, not one. Oh, thank God! Um, because it is the it's it's not the worst or anything. I think I think in a normal bad episode of season nineteen, Matt, it would be basically invisible. It would be because it's it it's just kind of like oh, this is just filler. You know, it's just like, oh, here's some scenes. Um, and it like it does tell the B plot does have a beginning, middle, end. I'll say that. Like the A plot tells a complete story, the B plot tells a complete story. So I can't be upset about that, but it is just very boring and kind of lame, and Homer is firmly obnoxious the entire time, and it takes up too much of it. Uh it's not and I think it stands out more when you, I'm thoroughly enjoying the April. I'm like, oh, this is fun. This is a good story. I like the homage to the departed stuff. I like all that. And then it's just this B plot of Homer and the loner car. And you're like, how many jokes are they going to try and make out of the fact that Homer has a loner car? Uh, it turns out many. They're going to try and make many, many jokes. Many, many jokes about nothing at all. It's not a joke. It's not, like there's no joke there, really. Uh, Homer takes the car into the shop, and they give him a loner. And Homer is amazed by a car that has a stereo, I guess, and uh, electronic locks. And like, it's it looks like a Toyota Corolla or something. Like, it's not like a fancy car. It's just like... Yeah. It's just a loner, and Homer is obsessed with it. He, But he's also a complete noxious jerk to basically everyone for the rest of this episode about this car. Um, he laughs at all the people in this... In, at the at the dealership, I guess, because they gave him a loner. Yeah, because he thinks that it's it's too sweet of a deal for him. I guess. I mean, Homer, if you took that car to a dealership, you're not you're paying for that loaner, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're going to charge you a lot. Um, 
then we have this weird intersection of the A and B plot, uh, where Bart is riding a skateboard home from school. Homer taps him with a car like a dozen times and finally yeah. gets Bart to go in the car with him. And then Homer tells Bart he believes in him, tells him he cheers him up. And yeah, and thankfully this is the only interaction between the A plot and B plot because this this is really all we need from Homer in this episode. It doesn't the entire even, B plot. Uh, I, but like I don't understand why this is here. Like if we're like there, the rest of this episode after this point with Bart, the whole A plot is leaning into the Departed stuff, leaning into mafia stories, leaning at organized crime stories about rats and 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 loyalty and stuff like that. But this part is, like, about Bart being himself and, like, finding an identity. I'm like, that's not what this episode's about. Uh, it, if anything, it's about, it is about, like, trying to be friends with someone and having to be able to trust them. Uh, and then they have a weird gag. This car, man. This stupid loner car. Because then we have a gag about weather systems in the car where they turn on the air conditioning and the, they put different things in the car and there's like a tornado in the car i don't know what's happening what is this this it feels like two different episodes in the one episode um bart has been cheered up matt and now bart's feeling good about himself again he's feeling froggy are you, matt are you a 75 year old man he's feeling froggy i sure am <laughs> i mean hey man at least you know uh bart he's gonna he's not gonna let his role at school be taken from him he is going to be adamant about it, and he decides, I'm going to play a big prank on Skinner. And uh, while Skinner is playing basketball with Willie, which I I really found that little scene very charming, too, where, where Skinner's just terrible at basketball, and uh -huh. Willie, wants to, Willie doesn't want to play anymore, and Skinner's like, nope, we're going to keep playing. Uh, I found that charming. I don't know what it, why, I just, I don't know, it's just the, the I think it's just they let it be awkward and kind of empty and sad it kind of reminds me of skinner shopping for detergent you know it's just like this is skinner's life where he's bad at basketball it does kind of remind me of that yeah it's kind of it's minutiae um bart puts some metal plates in skinner's shoes his actual shoes while he is playing basketball um and we cut to a presentation at the in the auditorium bart uses i guess extraordinarily strong magnets to uh, you to underneath the floor of the stage to move Skinner's shoes around and his feet and obviously his whole body. And it makes it very silly. makes it very funny. Not easy clip to pull for this because it's just a bunch of noises and a little bunch of kids laughing, but everyone loves it. Everyone thinks it's hilarious. Um, Skinner, very, very upset and swears to catch the kid who's responsible and uh, the new kid steps in and takes the fall for Bart. Who did this? Until I find out, no one is leaving this mixed-use auditorium. But some of us have after-school care. When I catch the culprit, and I will, I'm going to throw this away and use this instead. <laughs> Principal Skinner, I did it. <gasps> Young man... My office, now. Huh? Why did you take the rap for me? I don't know. I like your style. Well, remember this. Bart Simpson takes care of his friends. <clears throat> Come see me when you get out. 
Young man, brace yourself. For some congratulations! We did it! You're in! We finally have a man on the inside. We're gonna put Bart Simpson away for a long, long time. By law, the most we can give him is a 10-day suspension. Well, that's long to a kid. So, I'm gonna go into my one problem with the A-plot in this episode. Mm. Well, it's just that Bart's characterization sifts wildly between the first act and the rest of the thing. Because in the first act, Bart is unsure of himself, and he's he needs that pep talk from Homer or whatever because this new kid's like taking his thing. But immediately at from here on out, Bart is the head of like the school mafia. Like it's it's kind of a weird swerve that instead of Bart being cool and confident the entire time that he goes, he has to get this pep talk from Homer in order to see him like. Uh, become the calm, cool, collected mafia head that Jack Nicholson's character plays in the actual movie. It's just kind of a a, a big shift that doesn't seem necessary. I mean, I think that I don't mind it, Matt, because ultimately most of this episode is about that instead of... like I think they do that as a way to make this kid feel more believable, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't really mirror the movie very much you know the movie it would no it, it takes the, the basics of you know oh there's a it, it's basically a mafia and then there's a rat inside which is is part of what's in the departed but it's it's a very minimal uh part of it yeah the the you would if you're going to mimic the movie you would have bart if you and you want to have bart as the head of the quote-unquote crime family you would have this kid come in prove himself you know by committing some pranks and then Bart would welcome him in. But obviously, honestly, the problem is that in The Departed, our protagonist is the undercover agent, um, not the head of the crime family. So they switched the roles around in this. Um, also, the, obviously, it doesn't matter because Bart is doing pranks. They're not, you know, he's not killing people. Um, but And then, yeah, I think, I think I agree with you. It is a little awkward, but ultimately it's relatively minor. And it's only the first act. The second and third act kind of just run with it. And we don't have to worry about it too much anymore. Um, but dun-dun-dun! Donnie is a rat! Matt? What? I never would have guessed. Uh, never would have guessed. Uh, we go to commercial, 8 minutes and 37 seconds. And when we come back, uh, we find out what's actually going on as Skinner talks to uh, Donnie about basically what's going on here. And Donnie gets initiated into the Bart Simpson organization. I'll get you the goods on this Simpson kid. You have my word as a snitch. Oh, here he comes. Now, this won't be easy, but pretend I'm a jerk. Young man, I'm going to be on you like a numerator on a denominator. Let's take a ride. I got a place with a view. I've never seen blue vines before. They're only sold in Europe. I know a guy. <laughs> huh. Oh, yeah. You can really taste the blue. Check this out. Nah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Here's a little hair of the dog for tomorrow. Oh, thanks, Bart. Now that we're buddies, I can let you in on some of the cool scams we run at school. Oh, yeah? Like what? Bathroom passes, doctor's notes. We can rig a cootie catcher so you can marry anybody you want. Whoa, Sherry. I'm in. Millhouse. Bust out four of our finest juice boxes. Mm-hmm. I just want to say... Juice box five! <laughs> so, as we can see, uh, Donnie is getting brought into the organization uh, doing just 
it's basically a elementary school mafia. They've got scams and all kinds of things. They've got pranks that they were dealing with. And they, instead of having, you know, a cocaine party or getting drunk or whatever, they're having a juice box fight. Totally normal stuff. Uh, we see Lisa after her attack uh, by juice box, uh, go back into the house. And uh, the one really stupid joke that I absolutely loved in this episode is Lisa walks in to find Marge opening up tiny packets of ketchup and mustard and pouring them into the ketchup and mustard bottles to save money. And Lisa asks, do you do this with relish? And Marge says, no, I'm kind of ashamed about it, actually. I had to pause the episode. I was laughing so hard. And I know some of you will hate that joke so much, but I just, Matt, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. It has just been established that you are a 75 year old man. Of course, (laughs) of course, you like that joke. Um, It's a great joke. I would like it more if I didn't see it coming from a thousand miles away. Uh, but I mean, it's an old joke. It's not a new joke. The Simpsons. Wrote do you do it with relish? Okay, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> okay. So, uh, meanwhile, after uh, that uh, wonderful joke that Robbie hates so much, uh, Homer comes in and volunteers to take Marge hey, hey, ride hey, in a hey, magic I'll, car. I'll say this. I'll say this, Matt. I don't think it's a great joke. It is better than anything in the B plot. That is true because my goodness, the B plot gets real stupid. So, um, uh, Homer takes Marge for a ride. Uh, this car is magic. It, it has an autopilot function, and the seats lay down, and Homer and Marge have sex in, in it while it's going, and, you know, it, the candles come up out of the sides, and it's it's magic. It's like Harry Potter-level magic coming out of this ridiculous car, and it's just incredibly dumb. Unfortunately for Homer, his car is finished being fixed, so he has to give this car back, and Homer faces what some might say is an existential crisis about this. Um... And that's where we leave it for now. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> so we then get a long montage of a series of pranks getting foiled by Skinner knowing about them ahead of time, uh, mainly because of Donnie snitching. Uh, he basically passes notes to Skinner uh, that gets it so that the, the, the boys can't steal the band candy. Uh, he, Skinner's ready for uh, being spray painted on his back. Just little stuff like that. Uh, so Bart is distressed by this. But luckily for Bart, there's a rat in Skinner's organization. Uh, Skinner's five steps ahead of me. I put a tack in his chair. He's corked his pants. I throw a tomato. He's making salad. <clears throat> I have some information you might be interested in, but it won't be easy to hear. Because of your stupid accent? Fuck me! Because of its upsetting nature! Skinner's gotten to someone close to you. A rat. Who is it? I don't know. But Skinner's going to meet the rat right now. Willie. So yes, uh, Willie is is very happy about it being able to help Bart out, and then basically tattoos himself with a uh, with a record of this a la memento. Because sure, why the heck not? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think I I this all this stuff's really good. I like all this stuff, Matt. Um, this is this is it fun. Is good. I don't know about the tattooing thing, but everything else is fine. It's fine. Like who cares? Uh, it's a, like that's the thing. Like when the the story's making sense, the and the plot is fun. I don't really care about this minor stuff on the side. Like I would, it's easier not to nitpick the stuff when your story makes sense and when there's funny jokes along. I like these this montage here of all these different pranks that are getting foiled and the way that they are clever. They cleverly show Donnie giving Skinner these clues. Like the fact that you know Donnie uh, spits a, a 
like a spit wad at him or whatever. And in the rolled up piece of paper is, the, hey, watch out for this. Like it's a, that's the clue. And I, that's nice. That's like it's clever. And is it shows doing... that a lot of thought went into this this whole idea yeah. of there being a snitch in the Bart Simpson, you know, elementary school mafia. This isn't a fill. This isn't filler. This is this is this montage is not just hey, let's spit waste a minute of time. It is like no, let's be funny. Let's be creative. Let's tell a story, and let's advance the plot and do it all at once. And that's ideally that's what you want to do, you know. And they do it. It works really well. Indeed. And so Bart uh, follows Skinner, and we get another montage of Bart following Skinner. This montage is not as interesting because it's just Bart getting into weird situations while he's Matt, trying to okay, you know, Matt, follow Matt, Skinner. Matt, Matt, okay. It's well, fine. It's fine. It's not, not as good. Well, it's not as I'm, important to the plot. I'm going to be – okay. One, this is not a montage. Okay? No montage. The previous one was really, a montage. It's a chase sequence. This is a chase My sequence, uh, and I think it's fine. I think, honestly, you need it. In this uh, in this episode, you need this chase sequence one because it, it kind of mirrors something in The Departed, and it there's some tension here. I like it. I don't know. It doesn't need to be. And there's some fun gags along the way of like, oh, you know, Bart running through the school. We get to see some uh, flavor of the school and stuff like that. It's not as creative as the prank stuff, but I I think it does a good job of elevating tension. It does. I mean, you're not wrong there. Um, so uh, Bart catches up with him, but is unable to figure out who the rat is. He's blocked the last second by a <laughs> measles shot. Oh boy. Uh, that, that, oh, we're, I'm not going there. I'm just not going to go there. Uh, so Bart, uh, the next day takes the entire crew of the Bart Simpson organization out to the middle of nowhere where he's going to reveal the rat. Uh, but since Bart didn't actually see it, he just assumed it's Millhouse because, well, let's be honest, wouldn't we all assume it's Millhouse? Uh, and so they, uh, grab Millhouse and throw him in a locker that is conveniently placed in the middle of nowhere. And that's the end of the act. Uh, we go to a commercial from there. Nothing else happens in this act. I mean, there, uh, you're, I, I, they, it's not as cut and dry as that. They, they have, there is a little bit of a reticence there from Donnie. Donnie is like, you know, he's kind of, he has a long glance back at the locker. Um, so there's that, plus there's a, he is feeling guilt, yes. Yeah, I, I should note that the cinematography of this is much better than a normal episode. And there's also a, a, a bit here where um, Cletus is going to use the locker as an outhouse and I guess poop. Nope, nope, nope. That's not a thing. Not a thing that did not happen. That is You sure? And no. I remember yes. that. I, and I think he refers to Millhouse as a toilet. No, nope, nope, nope. Not, not, not a thing that happened. You sure? Sorry, Rob, you must have seen a different episode. No, I think I distinctly remember it, and then went, oh, you can't just help yourself, Simpsons. You have to, you have to do the those the poop jokes. You gotta have the the bit where Millhouse has to, I guess, be a toilet, which is just awful, just awful. Um, we come back from commercial at fifteen minutes and forty nine seconds, being the third act. Um, Bart and the now just Nelson and Donnie Millhouse is gone. Uh, from them, from the the gang, and they Bart has a plan. Uh, and the plan involves an ostrich egg. Now that we've taken care of our rat problem, Skinner can't stop us. And I've got a prank I've been planning for months. We're gonna egg Skinner's house. We've already egged his car, his office, and his father's grave. How's this gonna be different, gentlemen? This is an ostrich egg. Whoa! Whoa. Normally, you can't even buy these. You have to buy the ostrich and wait. How much of this is gunk? The whole insides. Whoa, to think this came out of some animal's butt. Beautiful in its way. 
Beautiful in its way. That's that's uh, the absolute truth, right, Robbie? I mean, you really stop to acknowledge like the egg and what went on to inside of an animal to make an egg happen. Yeah, there's some, you know, there's some beauty there. Also, I mean, technically Nelson's not wrong when he says it comes out of the bird's butt, but you know, it's really a cloaca. All right, Mr. Scientist. All right. I mean, it's not technically an anus. Just calm down. Matt, you know, we didn't have to. We don't have to do this, you know? Uh Uh-huh. We don't have to talk about animals' butts, really, at all. Um, Hey, we get... Speaking of butt, we go back to the B-plot, where Homer is driving the new car with Lisa the loner. Um, He has previously said, I don't want my old car. I'm going to keep the loner. And I guess the dealership was just okay with that. (laughs) They, they haven't tried to do anything. They haven't tried to reclaim. It's not his car. They should. Wouldn't they just take it back? They get a repo man to go steal the car in the middle of the night. But uh, that's what they would actually do. Okay. Instead, this, these people they're, they're going to sell Homer's car. Instead. Yeah, they're going to. They Homer sees them selling his car, and uh, it is going to get sold for ninety nine dollars. There's okay. Um, I and and, and there's uh some. Some good old good old boys there, Matt. Good old boys. They're gonna buy the car. You know what they're gonna do with the car? Oh, I believe, as I recall, they're going to shoot it and then uh, have some fun with it. Which I assume means hitting it with sledgehammers, right, Robbie? Uh, no, I believe they're gonna have some uh, sex with the car. Yeah, Robbie. No, that can't possibly be true. Right? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it doesn't horrible make... and awful. Have you ever seen uh, David Cronenberg's Crash from 1996? I avoid Cronenberg movies like the plague. Oh, I love a good Cronenberg. I love me some Cronenberg. Some Cronenberg monsters are the best. Um, but in, that movie is about uh, women, people, not just women, but people who get uh, sexually excited by car crashes. Um, and it's really messed up. Uh, and <laughs> this is it, like, it doesn't make any sense. But that's what the scene says. These these hillbillies are going to have sex with the car. A Homer steals, takes the car back. Uh, and doesn't hopefully and luckily does not forget Lisa. This is the end of the B plot. Homer has the old car back, and he drives it away and out of the episode. Thankfully, we don't have to deal with this anymore. Uh, I do not obviously have not pulled any clips for it the entire time because it is all very boring. He calls Lisa Maggie to her face. Um, Homer is the worst. Skinner, it, we're, we cut the Skinner at school with Bart. Uh, Skinner asks Bart to help hang a banner, uh, hang, help hang a banner, and the banner uh, is uh, celebrating 14 days straight of prank-free elementary school. And Skinner's having a laugh about it. You know, he's he's he did this on purpose. He wants to he's going to rub it in, in in Bart's face a little bit, which I I like that. I like this dynamic. Um, this the because this does I think represent. A little bit of uh, the departed, the the feel of the departed is about you know wearing masks and this kind of subtle rivalry antagonism. Even though you have to keep up appearances and pretend, oh no, we're not enemies, we're not rivals. We are, we are, we're just two people. But and actually, no, actually, we are rivals. We actually do want to, in the departed, at least hurt each other. But while. Skinner is enlisting Bart's help. He sees Bart sees that Skinner has a blue tongue. Dun dun dun. Robbie, I think this would be the perfect time for us to actually bust out our sounds panel. Our sounds panel. Yeah, you know the the what's it called when you have a a, a sting sound effect. Uh, yeah, sure. I don't have a I don't have that man. Um, 
But Bart realizes in this moment, he makes the connection. Um, and I do think, I believe one of our, our, our listeners also mentioned this in their review, but I feel like this is a moment where I wish they wouldn't have done, I wish they wouldn't have focused on this right now. I wish that we see Bart, I wish we would see Bart's reaction, but we don't see why he reacts to this. And we only see Skinner's tongue for a moment or two. And it's up to us to catch it. I wish there was, they would delay the reveal for this just a little bit. I feel like that'd be more artful. Um, but instead, they kind of do the dumb thing and just tell us right away, oh, look, Skinner has a blue tongue. What could that be from? Um, and it's obvious, and Bart has the realization, oh, it's from the vines. That means Donnie has been giving Skinner the blue vines. So uh, Bart and Nelson confront Donnie. Hey, Bart, uh, what are we doing here? There's been a change of plans. I was going to tell you, but then I remembered. You're the rat! No, 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 you got it all wrong. Skinner's tongue was blue. Blue from the vines you gave him. Why'd you do it, man? Look, you don't start out wanting to be a rat. Sometimes it's your only option. Skinner and Chalmers wanted to get someone inside your organization. Someone with no history. Too cute, too tall, too Siamese, too Siamese. How much for that one? I'm sorry, Bart. You were like a brother to me. We were going to take woodshop together and make nunchucks, and then take people to our lockers and show them our nunchucks. I know. That would have been cool. Are we going to fizz this guy or what? Fizz me? A funny thing happens when you mix Mentos with Diet Coke. Now imagine that. Times a million. Times a million, huh? Times a million. There are one million cans of soda and one million Mentos in that. Uh, Nelson's Nelson's not the best at math. Math, math. Okay, no. okay. He's just he's he's not a, the best mathematician they have, I would assume. Um, but we get a little backstory on Donnie. Uh, he apparently is adopted from an orphanage, which that's I didn't know schools could do. I mean, I think in the normal episode, if this was like, I don't mind it in this kind of episode that has very heightened reality in it. You know, it is obviously so, like that clear pastiche, the clear homage to the departed. No, of course, they obviously, they can't just take a kid out of an orphanage and put him in Springfield Elementary. Uh, but in this, you're like, oh, well, we have to get this specific kid to disrupt this crime organization. But yeah, that's fine. You know, like they, you know, the departed went to great lengths to set up um, the Leo as an undercover agent. You know, hey, he went, literally went to prison and then came back out so that they could give him a cup, give him that cover story. Um, but Bart and the whole the ostrich egg thing was all a ruse. Um, Bart was planning to put this, the Mentos and the Diet Coke in Skinner's office, office, office. But unfortunately for Bart, Donnie is not the only rat. Sorry to plop, plop on your fizz, fizz. What are you doing here? <laughs> I knew egging my house was just a ploy. You see, the rat who told you about my rat was also a rat. It was rats within rats, which was also me dinner last night. Really? You're on Skinner's side? He gave me something you never could. An elementary school diploma. <laughs> Bard, we're going to send you to the toughest juvenile detention center there is. And it's all thanks to Donnie here, who can happily live the rest of his life knowing he betrayed the one boy who actually cared about him. 
<laughs> Skinner! Skinner? I'm all right, sir. Don't ever scare me like that again. Well, I guess we're even. What are you going to do now? What I always do. Survive. Hey, we should get together sometime. You know, to make nunchucks. Sweet. The rat symbolizes obviousness. That's the end of the episode. It's always better when Ralph is included. I had to include the Ralph bit. The Ralph bit's really funny. Um, Even if, like, the point of... uh, Then the departed ends with... Famously ends with a rat. But, like, that's not... like. It's not supposed to be subtle. <laughs> it's not the point of the uh, the parted is not subtlety. Like I don't. It, it, okay. Should I? Can I? Should I go on a long spiel about Scorsese's purposely homaging lots of old crime movies from like 30s and 40s, and they yeah. it was not about being subtle at all. Metaphor often isn't. Uh, okay. Um, it's so funny. I still do think Ralph's line is funny. Um, I'll say this, Matt. That's the end of the episode. The A plot's good. B plot's terrible. That's true, and that's like a lot of episodes where one is good and one is bad, and thankfully it's the B plot, and it's not the A plot that's bad. Yeah, exactly. And like the B plot obviously doesn't carry any narrative weight, really. Like, who cares about Homer and the loner car? Um, my own, like, and I don't, like, yeah, obviously the B plot never is as important as an A plot in a story, but I really wish it would have like jokes in it. Um, and I think it's those things where you're like, you know, you look at, you watch this episode and you go, oh, this is good. I like this. And then there's just those, those things around the edges that remind you, no, we're in, don't forget. Hey, don't forget. You're here forever. Uh, <laughs> it's You're in season 19. Uh, there's the B plot with the loner car, which is just boring, bland, Homer being obnoxious. There is a joke about Millhouse being a toilet. Uh, there's a joke about hillbillies having sex with a car uh and uh, and obviously the chalkboard gag uh which is bad it's just those things it's just like it's like i'm like uh, this episode's by far our best season 19 episode i'm pretty sure at this point oh yeah um just because the plot is compelling and it's built well and it's funny and topher grace does a good job as donnie and it, it works like there's a little there's speed bumps in it things that are really you make you go like what but you get as a freebie you can overlook that stuff i don't care um and it's really good and then you watch the people you're like okay it's five minutes of the episode that i can, i don't want to pay attention to and then they're just like yeah i don't know what that means for how we'll rank it but here matt i will say this unequivocally i enjoyed this episode I mean, I did as well. I mean, this episode is interesting, and it does a great homage to The Departed. Yeah, I liked it, which is way more than I can say about most of season 19. It's the weeks like this, I have faith in humanity again. I probably shouldn't weigh all of my belief in humanity on just the Simpsons writers from season 19, but, you know, that's the way it works sometimes. That's the way the cookie crumbles. We'll rank it at the end of the show. Hey, Robbie, is this episode broken? No. No, it's not. I don't think so. No, I would agree. It is uh, a decent episode, the best of season 19, uh, but, you know, it's it's still fun to watch. So as long as you just tune out the B-plot, yeah, take a watch for it. I think there's no... I think if as long as Andy Simpson... I think that's a, it's a fairly consistent 
uh, metric to judge a Simpsons episode by is like if the A plot is good, is good, it's cohesive, it's funny. You can kind of fill the B plot with anything, and I don't think it will destroy the episode unless it's just full of, I guess, the very offensive things. I guess could potentially do it, and this doesn't have that. It's mostly just very obnoxious and and bland, but not. It doesn't derail the whole episode or anything like that. Um, but no, it's not broken. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for Comments and News Group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments and News Group is where I ask our patrons over at patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. Patrons? Patreoners? Yep, that's how you say it. Uh, what they think about the episode, leave their reviews, and I read them on the air. First from Alex, a decent parody of The Departed. From Casey, definitely one of my favorites from the season. I always go back to it and scrolling through late teen seasons. We get a rarely seen inciting incident that actually connects directly into both the A and B plots. Incredible. Love Donnie's delivery throughout. Topher Grace was a great pick for him. Loved you go sour waiting for someone to pick you. Alluding to Mrs. Carbopple. Great. But Marge and Lisa get my favorite line up. So do you do it with relish? Nah, I'm kind of embarrassed about it. So Matt, you're not alone with your old yep. people jokes. Uh, my only issue is the over-explanation of plot. It feels like they snuck in Blue's Clues to this episode. L- like, look, Skinner has a glue bottle. Look, Skinner has a blue tongue like Bart and Donnie. Zoom-ins were not necessary, and of course, the rat symbolizes obviousness. About a nickel for every time the dumbest character of the episode spoke directly to the audience with garbage cans and frames that have two nickels. Which isn't a lot, but it's weird it's happened twice. Uh, lastly, I'd like to point out, Donnie looks like if he made Bart a real human boy, then put him back through a Simpsons generator. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, from Lauren, I've seen this episode before and thought it was decent. Please see it held up upon rewatch. The Bart Donnie plot was set up almost immediately. Plus, the inciting incident actually led to both plots. Enjoyed that they were uh, they were able to make the plot believable with ten year old boys, since the movie is a lot darker and involves mobsters. Additionally, there was characterization and conflict that was resolved by the end of the episode. I also laughed once or twice, which is more than I have in a while. The episode would be great if it wasn't for Homer's B plot. I don't remember Homer in this episode at all, and asked. I realized to cut him out of my brain. Sometimes it's okay to ask, "Where's Homer?" Especially when the answer is not on my screen. Uh, some of the jokes were nasty or fell flat, but still no shock value today because it's enjoyable to watch. Uh, from Tim, I enjoyed it. While we get Lisa's intelligence challenge from, from time to time, we don't often get Bart's popularity put on the same pedestal. Skinner and Chalmers were right to exploit this loophole. Agree the above poster that this episode could have done without the loner car B story, but somehow the story got to run to completion. I'll put this in an even number 200. Hmm. It's interesting. Interesting prediction. Uh, from Derek, does absolutely nothing for me. Sorry. I find the A-plot pretty grating, actually. I can't stand the post-classic Skinner Chalmers joined to the hip cringe comedy duo they become from here, from here on out. Also, the use of I'm shipping up to Boston from the actual movie really tires the old patients around the 51st repeat of it. And they're offline. Everyone loves it. The end actually just rubs me the wrong way. Like you're taking shots of the film for lack of subtlety, Simpsons. From here on, as we move into the HD era, every single scene is saturated with exhibition of the clunk is kind so a bit rich coming from them. Also, that Homer B-plot. I know that they got to fill out time somehow, but why not with something more engaging to watch, like paint drying? Man, I feel like I, you know, every once in a while, man, I feel like, and I even said this in our Patreon uh, mini review this week, or I feel like I'm a cynical, dark, terrible, heartless man. And then, Only on occasion. And then, thanks, Matt. Only on occasion. And then I read a Derek's review about an episode that I think is all right, and he's like, "This is the worst. I hate it." I don't. That Derek doesn't sound like that. I'm fairly confident. Uh, from JJ. I was really looking forward to this episode and it held up. It takes elements which are quintessential to classic Simpsons, using a great movie as a template, layered jokes, and strong characterization. 
I love the Donnie and Bart stuff, but it's the little moments which makes this feel more like an old episode. So it's just a joke about Chalmers being genuinely worried about Skinner for a second towards the end. Reminded me that the show used to treat its cast like real people rather than the character joke vehicles they've become. Even the B plot didn't bother me because it was short and didn't steal time from the A plot. Feels like forever since the show is an episode which inspires repeat viewings like this one does. Also, shout out for that amazing relish joke. Oh no. Oh no. I don't like all this. <laughs> Everyone agrees, Robbie. <laughs> the egg council got in you too. Uh, from Mark, this has to be the best of season 19 so far. You don't get many likable side characters in later seasons, and I really like Donnie. Homer's B-plot was silly, but it didn't ruin the episode, and some funny moments. From Melissa, literally all I have to say about this episode, when I first watched this one in my youth, I had a fat crush on Donnie. I don't know, man. It's been a long week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I appreciate your honesty. Hey, Donnie's, like, I don't know, Donnie does, he doesn't have the... He does have that kind of like, uh, the like. I, he reminds me of the way they drew. Uh, was it Jesse Grass? Uh, oh yeah, Lisa's little heartthrob, uh, crush, uh, vegan kid. I think it. They they have that similar design where it's clearly trying to be like, hey, this is a cute boy. Um, from Benjamin. Well, I don't understand how they can execute an episode like this after that recent run. I did enjoy it. It all worked together and included laughs. They could drop the B plot and no one would notice, but it's a short and harmless. Best of the season restores some hope that I'm sure won't be immediately dashed next week. No, of course not. Uh, from Gabe, I've never watched The Departed, but I enjoy this episode. 8 out of 10, a B. Best of the season so far. Departed is good, Gabe. It's, we, we talked about it on one of our bonus, bonus episodes, as I mentioned. I, I like The Departed quite a bit. Um, hi, Matt and Robbie. I was sitting in the waiting room listening to your podcast when you guys mentioned The Departed, not remembering anything uh, about this episode. I started watching it on Disney+. Plus. Now, what I found funny about this episode was I was waiting to leave my car at the insurance company to get repaired and collect my loaner car. I understand the way Homer feels about the loan cars. There's all the new gadgets, modern tech, but I love my old car and want it back. Bart's storyline was very enjoyable. It's good to have the cheeky Bart gets away with his pranks. It's also clever enough to worry about who the mole was. So it was one of the, not the best of the later Simpsons episodes. Felt like the good old days. Terry. From down under. Mad strong lines in our show notes. I don't like it. Robbie hates the fact that I uh, separate the sections of our notes. I have like this bold. One there's giant wall of text. There's bold text. I don't yeah, need all those rules are better. It draws the eye more. If it was up to me, like actual scripts, there would be different colors for the sections, but that would blow <laughs> Robbie's little. <laughs> uh, I don't. What are we? Colors? What am I? What are we doing? Colors. Rob, Robbie actually prints off the notes on his laser printer, so the colors mean nothing to him. Hey, man, paper, paper. There's always value in it. I don't. I mean, you're not wrong. I don't. I don't. It's only I use my laser printer for two things, Matt. Okay, I use it for uh, legal documents and notes for D and D, and that is it. There's no other. That's good. That's good use. Nothing yeah. else. You're not wrong about that. Uh, that's it for uh, comes to news group. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for listener questions of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is gonna give me something stupid. Well, hot dog. We have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is, what is your favorite romantic comedy? Uh, lots of interesting answers. I uh, appreciate everyone took the time. Matt, take it away. Alrighty. Uh, from Mark, 500 Days of Summer, an honest and interesting take on love with an awesome soundtrack. Uh, from Alex, she's out of my league. It's sort of a guy version of she's all that. Kind of, sort of, in the loosest sense. Uh, from Rachel, it was just the 20th anniversary of this film, so I have to go with the hilarious and heartfelt My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Such a standout ensemble cast and a really feel-good film. I have never actually seen my big fat Greek wedding. Uh, from if Casey, you're if you're asking, from... if you're waiting for me to talk about it, you're sorry, Matt. Uh, 
Okay, okay, okay. Uh, from Casey, my favorite romantic comedy of all time is 500 Days of Summer. Truly a formative film for me at age 17. No movie has since has ever introduced me to better music or better life lessons. Zoe Deschanel and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are perfection in the leads. Uh, when things between them are good and funny, you eat up every second of it. And when things are tired and lackluster, you have a pit in your stomach, feeling so awful for them both. Cinematography is outstanding, and the way they play with the timeline is unmatched. And lastly, the ending always makes me shed a single tear. For anyone who ever thought, oh, that's just another Manic Pixie Dream Girl movie, I encourage you to give this a shot. Uh, from Benjamin, agree with those 500 days of Summerverse. <laughs> wow. Uh, from Andy, I never have a consistent answer for favorite rom-com, so I'll go with the most recent one I watched, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Mm, that sounds good. Uh, from Lauren, I have so many, and I'm not sure if this actually counts, but my ultimate uh, favorite is Ever After. I love fairy tales, and after watching it almost every day when I broke my arm years ago, it quickly became one of my favorite movies. That's that's good. That's good. Uh, from Derek, I know Friends falls firmly in sitcom territory. The title of the show alone would suggest it's more about friendships than romantic relationships, but it actually has a heavy focus on romantic entanglements. You're not wrong there, Derek. <laughs> Normally, owing to my cold, dead, black-hearted nature. Derek's right there with you, Robbie. I was going to uh, say. don't do it for me. But when it comes to Monica and Chandler, I completely won over. Thank you. Best relationship on the show. Uh, their relationship came about so naturally, and their chemistry just oozed off the screen. Even when it got schmaltzy, it felt earned because their relationship gave us some of the greatest comedy moments in sitcom history. The entire season five arc of them trying to keep their relationship uh, culminating, secret, I believe is what it said, culminating in the masterful, the one where everyone finds out, is the perfect romantic comedy storyline, and so it gets my pick. Derek, right there with you. One of the best. I don't even like most of Friends, and honestly, that was just great. All right, uh, from Tim, Wedding Crashers is a rom-com that can appeal to anybody. It's a little rapey in scenes, but, you know, they'll, they'll, yeah, for the most part. Uh, Alyssa, I'm awful and don't really like rom-coms. Now, I want to like them. I'd love to call my girls over and flip on some rom-com and actually enjoy it. They just don't make sense to me. I end up turning them off halfway through. I prefer some horror. I do like the com part, however, so I'm going to cheat and say I love putting Seinfeld on while I'm doing laundry. Does that count? There's romance that never works out in comedy. Yes, okay, I'm cheating. Honestly, Alyssa, you, you mean... Mm. Some episodes are romantic and comedy, so it's perfect. Although calling Seinfeld comedy is mm, depend on the episode. Oh, okay, all right, okay, all right, Mister. I just I've watched the entirety of Friends, but I'm gonna start criticizing Seinfeld of all things. I've watched the entirety of Seinfeld and the entirety of Friends. Friends is a better show. Okay, all right, okay. I gotta. What are we? Wow, Wh Matt. Okay, here my. Literally, the only rebuttal I need, Seinfeld acknowledges that all its main characters are sociopaths. I mean, you're not wrong about that. Friends, friends is more just enjoyable. Acts, I friends, hate. Friends just acts like these are all normal people. <laughs> I mean... George uh, Costanza <laughs> is the best television character, live action television character ever created. I hate everyone on Seinfeld, and I cannot watch a show without at least one redeeming character. That's why I couldn't watch Breaking Bad. I hated everyone involved. Newman's redeeming. No, he is not. He's horrific. <laughs> There's nothing wrong everyone with Everyone on that show is awful. You're just watching awful people be awful to each other, and it's so boring and stupid. I just wanted everyone to stab each other in the eye and call it a day. I mean, that's what they do, man. That's the whole point, is that it's like It's Always but Sunny. But I want to watch them do that. It's, I want to watch them do that do once, and like, the show is you, over. Do you not like It's Always Sunny? It's the same thing. It's just a little more vulgar. Uh, it depends on the episode, honestly. Uh, but that's the fun. And... They're all just a bunch of miscreants. There's just a bunch of little goblins bouncing off of each other. I mean, honestly, I feel kind of bad for Charlie and It's Always Sunny. They never get rewarded. They always get punished. None of them are happy. <laughs> but I want somebody to be happy. Oh, <laughs> There's always man. somebody who's happy. Okay. Please continue, Matt. I just I, mean, I, I guess, derail I guess, this. Uh, uh, 
Kramer is kind of happy, but I don't want him to be happy because he's one oh, of the worst of all of them. Oh, come on. Kramer is a monster who should have been slain at some oh point in the God. distant past because he's obviously thousands of years old. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, uh, from Gabe. Uh, best romantic comedy, for those of you who forgot after our digression. Uh, from Gabe, 40-year-old virgin. Very good one. Uh, from Matt L. Columbia, 88. I'm not a fan of many, but Soap Dish is my favorite. Lauren, you're going to have to explain that uh, and let Robbie know because I have no idea what Soap Dish is. Robbie, do you? Not off the top of my head. Okay. It's it's it is uh, it, it is I I want to I'm trying to remember anything about it but I can't so it's Robert Downey okay, Jr. apparently so oh okay Sally Field uh huh okay well, Kevin Klein it ha- okay it has Kevin Klein in it it automatically is good okay yeah Kevin Klein instant watch done yeah all right uh next up uh from After Thief my favorite rom com is Down with Love a delightful satire satire of classic rom coms like Pillow Talk and others of its ilk sounds pretty good. Uh, from at Mike Zakowski, uh, my favorite romantic comedy is Wrist Cutters, a love story. It's weird and dark and sweet. I have not watched it in years, but went out of my way to get it in DVD. Okay, I that sounds lovely. You would not, you uh, would from, not, you would not like. I, I would think, not. Okay. I don't think okay. you would. I mean, I would, I would be interested in your opinion, but I'm pretty sure that you would go. Why did I watch that? <laughs> Probably hate it. Okay, fair enough. Well, then next time on Simpsons Cinema, <laughs> we're not, we're not watching Wrist Cutters. So I'm not going to do that. Thank I don't, God. I don't really. Okay, okay, it's fine. All right. Uh, from Matt Brian J. Field, Love Actually. There was a lot. I didn't include him, but there was multiple people who, after, I believe Brian was the very first person to answer this question, and multiple people immediately just an onslaught of, yes, this is also my answer. Yes, this is the oh, right. God, yes, this really? is the correct answer. This is the answer. Yes. A lot of people Love really. Love Actually is horrible. Matt, I'm right there with you, oh but I'm, we are the okay. minority. All right. All right. All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, uh, from at that JD1, Legally Blonde, thank you, JD. And finally, from Christopher, Coming to America, another fantastic romantic comedy. Robbie, what is your answer? I don't know if people consider this a romantic comedy. Oh, I, I, I have to know what this is now. I'm, I love it. I, But I, I I think just because people consider it a comedy first and not a romantic comedy, but, ah. it's, but Groundhog Day. Groundhog, oh yes groundhog oh, day so good. groundhog day i and i like i get it like phil connors is a complete idiot jerk moron monster but i feel for... like that's, that's one of the things about a, a romantic comedy is like sometimes it's a com-rom and the comedy comes first and that's the, the point is that the the point of a romantic comedy is that the journey the main characters go through to be worthy of each other because uh, usually one of them is is not worthy of the other or doesn't find out and phil connors goes through a journey to become worthy of uh andy mcdowell whatever her character's name is um and I yeah mean, that's a great example she doesn't need a name she's just it could just be she could literally just be oh, i'm andy mcdowell i'm great and we like yeah True. We, i agree yeah, my one criticism of that is that she is not in the movie a whole lot. Like it's, it's that's the thing about romantic comedies is generally it's mostly about one character. That's, but Groundhog uh, Day okay, is well, here, really I, about. I have, I have backup answers, Matt. Okay, I have backup answers. So if okay. you if anyone's rankling at me picking Groundhog Day, which I get it because you're right, it, she's not in it a lot. It does have romance in it though. Um, my backup answers would be um, Trading Places, Coming to America. And uh, I just said Bull Durham. Those would be my three backups. Uh, I think those Bull are Bull Durham. Isn't that a baseball movie? It is a 
it is a sports romantic comedy. It is about okay. They, okay, I mean, they, I'm, I'm, that's fine. I just it's I a love triangle movie. Actually, like the 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 primary plot is nothing to do with baseball. Like, yeah, baseball's there. It's about minor league baseball and stuff like that. But the primary plot is a love triangle between Kevin Costner, uh, uh, what's his face from Shawshank Redemption? I can't remember his name. Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon, and uh, you know, wow. It's great. That sounds like a very interesting love triangle. I okay. I hey that uh uh Tim uh, the the Tim Ron's the 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 Nuke-Lelouch character. His name is Nuke-Lelouch, Matt. Okay, he's a ba- <laughs> he's a pitcher named Nuke-Lelouch. It's just great. He's just a complete. He's the biggest dumb idiot jock, and it's fantastic. It's fun. It's, I cannot imagine Tim Robbins being a big stupid shock. That blows my mind. He's I might really have to good. It's really good. It's Bull Durham's good. <laughs> Bull Durham's a little, it's a little corny, but it's a romantic comedy. It's allowed to be a little corny. Robbie, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna say something that might come as a shock to you and might not. I don't know. I don't enjoy Kevin Costner movies. That doesn't shock me, Matt. I like him in bits okay. and I like him here and there. It's not every Kevin Costner movie, but I like I feel like he plays a good he's really good men, in that role. Most, what's that? Oh, in Bull Durham? I mean, in Bull Durham, he's not that old. It's in the eighties. He's he's like in his late right, late twenties, right. early thirties at that point. Well, no, I'm saying I feel like there is a, a there's a age range of men, usually in the forty plus, that just love everything Kevin Costner does, and I just don't get it. Like he's fine. He's, in a few it's spots, it's, but the, mostly, it's, yeah. it's the stoicism. He's he's a that's I they they see themselves in him because he is put in these positions of these he's sometimes a romantic lead but oftentimes just he's protagonist he's he's been in a lot of different roles but he's also he's very stoic and he like he displays a very subtle small amount of emotion and he's struck in his stuff and then that's i think a lot of people of older generations identify with that because they're not they haven't been socialized to show as much emotion so they Fair. identify with oh well, i have to be i have to withhold my feelings and i identify with kevin costner because as an actor i don't think kevin costner is a bad actor i just think that he makes that choice on, on purpose that you're you're not wrong i just don't enjoy most of his hey, Matt. because of that choice hey, which Matt, is fine. what is your answer uh so there's one i really want to pick but there's one that's a better pick my actual pick is crazy stupid love because quite frankly that movie is hilarious and is just it has every trope possible in it and it's got some of my absolute favorite actors and actresses. Is that the Kirsten? Uh, and it, and is just... that the Kirsten Dunst movie? No, God, no. What movie? Am I, I enjoy Kirsten about? Dunst, but not in romantic comedies. Um, that's uh, Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell, Emma Stone, and Julianne Moore. Okay, I don't, I don't know. What yeah, I'm they are I'm... all fantastic to get it. And and people who have known me for a long time know my long-standing love for Julianne Moore and absolutely everything she's ever done. Uh, that's just you know part of my personality at this point uh but i honorable mention to uh definitely maybe uh because ryan Reynolds is my other love of my life and uh that is a surprisingly good movie with a mystery uh, at its core why don't you just why don't you just marry him then he's already married robbie and bigamy isn't illegal in the u.s also he's way out of my league come on i was gonna <laughs> say Matt, Matt, right like here. matt like i was gonna tell you like there's no way you're gonna marry Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I know, I know. The movie I'm thinking of is called Crazy Beautiful. That's why it's just. A, oh, okay. it's also just a collection of adjectives or adverbs. Um, next week's question: What is your favorite ending to a movie? Ooh, the the ending of The Departed is a uh, not necessarily everyone's favorite, but it is a very polarizing ending to a movie. So I thought, well, let's let's get some opinions out there. Let's see what you guys think. Uh, favorite ending to a movie? It doesn't even have to be your favorite movie, just as your favorite ending. Uh, I'll post this question on social media, on Twitter, at 
Simpson Show Pod? Yeah, that's it on Twitter. Uh, you can email us at SimpsonShowPod at gmail.com. And it's also on our Patreon. I post a question on Patreon, patreon.com slash The Simpson Show. I post it publicly as well. We can move on, Matt, to our next segment is time for the No Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean S-M-A-R-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is for Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, one hard. Try and stump the other. Matt has like a 65-point lead on me this season. Not looking great. Um, but we got some time. I can make it up, maybe. Depends how well I do today, I guess. Matt, are you ready for an easy question? I am ready, Robbie. In separate vocations, Bart becomes what at school? I believe his position is hall monitor. That is correct. All right, your easy question today. What town did the Simpsons move to in Cape Fear? Oh, this is a trick question, isn't it? No. No, they moved to Cape Fear. Is it? Or is it Terror Lake? Uh, Terror Lake. You're right. It is a trick question. Why are you, Now you're trying to trick me with that. You're telling me it's not a trick question. I didn't think that that was a trick question, but you're oh right. Oh, my God, that man. It's not, it is bad, a trick question bad. because it's they don't go to Cape Fear. They go to Terror Lake. I mean, they go to Cape Fear at Terror Lake. Terror Lake is the town. Cape Fear is like the water feature or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're trying to catch me. All right. Your medium question, Matt. According to Lisa, how much money does Miss Hoover make in a year? Uh, does Hoover make in a year? Mm-hmm. And this is mm. set in separate vacations. Oh, yeah, you're really earning your 18 grand a year? I see how it is. I see. I what see. was that? I see how it is. I see how it is. Just going to go, and then get it correct. One with right one guess, not even, uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Robbie. Oh, what are you talking about? 18 grand? See, I knew it was too easy. Oh, okay. And yes, it is correct. It is too easy if you get it right. That is the actual metric. Oh, okay. <laughs> the metric. I gotcha. Okay. Uh, your medium question. What is the name of the military strongman that overthrows the government of Lisa's pen pal? All hail the beloved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I can remember. I remember it. That is just the name. General. General. Goaz. You're so close. It is General Krull. That's not close, Matt, but I appreciate you being kind. I mean, you got the general part, right? That's like, okay. It's not that hard to... Okay. Your hard question, Matt. While in a ride-along, Bart, Eddie, and Lou see Mayor Quimby parked at what motel? Oh, God. Um, I'm, I'm going to say the Sleep Easy Motel because that's what they've used that asset before, but I don't think that's correct. It is not correct. The name of the motel is Who's to Know Motel. Lord. Name. His honor is polling the electorate. And as a bonus question uh matt what is the mascot of the who's to know motel um i don't know an owl correct unfortunately you get zero wow. points oh sad sad okay your final question and uh even i'll admit this is a tough one thanks appreciate that what is the name of the announcer on up late with mcbain i mean that's not crazy um he does say it. He does say but it. But also, also, I don't remember anything. Also, it's in that it's in the McBain voice, so it's just Um, I'm gonna guess it follows like that the the announcer weird announcer kind of thing, like you know with SNL or David Letterman, um, where it's like one syllable then multiple syllable last name. So it, his his name is uh, or or I think I'll say 
Ern Weissmuller. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna see if I can pronounce this correctly. Oh God, uh, Mar- Marco Cruffin Führer Wolfcastle. Oh, it was a German name. Full on German. Yep. Got it. Or Australian, maybe. Um, sure. Well, Matt got a. He, he, now he's even more in the lead. Now he's nine points ahead of me. This is my life. This is my life. Just always. Sorry, always, Robbie. Always second place. So second place. Uh, okay. Um, that's it for trivia this week. We can move on to our final segment. The segment we end every single episode with is time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically, eventually compile a list of every episode ever and how good they are. Let's see. The Debarted. Uh, our current number one of our night season 19 top ranked season 19 episode is currently i don't want to know why the caged bird sings which is number 206 uh this is better than that uh uh, without a doubt yeah um i think this is better than das bus which is at 187 but i think we're getting closer i think this is the territory we're in I mean, yeah, looking around, it's it's hard to find a upper teen season nearby. We're at season 19 now, so we have pretty much completely passed any of the other upper seasons. Like, well, there's a 24, the Pearls, a season. 24 minutes right? is at 189, which is, which is season 18. I think that's a, mm-hmm. a another motif, another another homage episode, another pastiche episode where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like that's obviously uh, parodying 24. And this is uh, referencing The Departed. So it's there's that connection. Um, I honestly think this is funnier than 24 Minutes. Um, but Well, yeah. I think that's the... 24 the, Minutes didn't leave a low... Its comedy was very lowbrow because they didn't have much time. Eh, I get it. Nah. Um, there's She, A Little Faith, and Jaws Wired Shut, No Brother Where Art Thou. I think those are... I think we're... I would put... Let's see. I think that the Bard is better than Das Bus. I think 30 Minutes Over Tokyo is better. It's more enjoyable. I, I think 30 Minutes Over Tokyo just has that weird thing that some of the, the best classic years episodes have. That it's just it's so weirdly funny. Like because 30 Minutes Over Tokyo has like uh I don't know, it's it's not it's not interesting or like there's no pathos or anything, but it's just so weirdly enjoyable. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think it understands how to use its setting and how to use The Simpsons traveling uh, the best. It's not a perfect episode, uh, 30 Minutes Over Tokyo, but I think it is very memorable and has a lot of good laughs and paints. It understands that in travel episodes, The Simpsons should be out of the butt of the joke. You should not make largely Jap- J- Japan, Tokyo should not be the butt of the joke. Um, it should be The Simpsons be the butt of the joke. That's why... Bart vs. Australia works so well, is that the Simpsons are often the butt of the joke as they travel. Um, and I think that's the best travel episodes of the Simpsons, regardless if it's international or not, are they understand the Simpsons should be stupid tourists. They should represent that dumb American tourist as they try and navigate whatever chaos they get into. But I think the subject is I think Das Bus has its charms, and I know Matt hates it, and I have to always fight for it. Uh, just for one I don't know why, like I mean it's 
It does have a stupid ending, but that's fine. It's allowed. <laughs> it's one time, you know? It's a stupid ending. It has a stupid premise. That's not a stupid premise. What's Lord of yes, the Flies? The UN club. Matt, were you not in clubs in school? I was, but their version of the Bottle UN is just incredibly dumb. They're kids. They're children. Also not in elementary school. I was roped into a lot of things in elementary school that I did not care about. I really represent... Bart perfectly represents me in DOS Bus, where I'm just like, I guess I am forced to do this. I'll do my best. I would. Put, that's where I would put this episode, okay? Right above DOS Bus, right below 30 minutes over Tokyo. How's that sound? I can be okay with that, I suppose. You suppose? Where would you put it, man? What are you doing? Come on. Have a backbone. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I, I think it's a good spot. I think it's it's funny. It does a good job. Um, uh, I mean, you could argue for. I don't know. You want to argue that Principal Charming or Twenty Four Minutes is better? You can. I'm no, okay. I don't think so. I think that's a good spot for it. Okay, I'm just. I think this is a perfect spot for it. It's like these are like. There's some season two episodes in here. They're kind of the duller season two episodes. There's the auto show, which, who boy. <laughs> Uh, people talk about all the golden years episodes are great mm, mm, auto show we really doing that um that's to departed at new number 188 so uh i guess the 200 wasn't so far off pretty close i mean it's really crushing the rest of season 19 that's for darn sure i mean that's not much uh, not much of a, a fight there I know. I it's know. like it's like can I outbox my deceased grandma? Yeah, of course I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's like asking me if I could beat up the Vincent Price now. Vincent Price would be 125 years old and dead. <laughs> yeah, of course mm-hmm. I could. It's not much of a fight. Um, so the bar a new number 188, a new number 30 of our post Golden Years ranking. Um, there's only one more thing we have to do before we go. More question and answer. The question is, do we shoot this episode out of the cannon? The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! I mean, I don't see any reason to. It's a decent no, episode. No, I mean, it, it's it, just... No, it belongs. It belongs. It has... it. The, the entire A plot is enjoyable and fun. The B plot is filler, to be kind, but the A plot... And we've kept episodes for much less. Um, I think this episode absolutely belongs to the canon. We keep it. Um, and then we're going to move up. Go to the top of the list as we work our way down. Answer the same question. And that question is at number 87. Does the PTA disbands? Is that a part of the canon, Matt? Oh, absolutely. That's like a great episode. It, it uh, reigns in a lot of the extra characters in Springfield, which we don't get to see a whole lot. And it gives us a little glimpse into their characters. It's a lot of fun. I think that's where really we're is. we're at the we're we're kind of in the, the the area of the list where you know the episodes aren't necessarily going to have a lot of emotion where they're not going to have a lot of uh you know deep metaphor or deep character stuff but they're going to have a lot of jokes they're going to be a lot of fun and I'm as I'm looking down the list um so yeah of course PTA expands part of part of the canon yes um that's it's a good week whenever we have two yeses that is uh, that's that is my firm opinion is. As long as if we're keeping both up, both episodes we do in the canon, it's a good week. It's a good week. I don't know if I could take another terrible episode like we had. Thankfully, every once in a while, this is uh, it's a little better. Um, what do I say next? I say you can find this list at our website, which is thesimpsonshow.com. It includes links to everything we do. 
uh, to this list, to our Twitter feed, to our RSS feed, and link to our Patreon. If you want to help out the show, obviously, we would love it. Uh, our next episode, Matt, is Dial N for Nerder. Nerder. Is it Nerd Murder? I... Uh, let's see. After prank gone wrong, Bart and Lisa believe they've accidentally killed Martin. Meanwhile, Marge hires a TV show called Sneakers to spy on Homer and see if he is cheating on his diet. Interesting. It's a takeoff on that's obviously Alfred Hitchcock style in for murder. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't. I don't have high hopes, but maybe, maybe it's good. Maybe it's all right. I'm hey. gonna. I. I have. It's weeks like this where I watch a good episode of Simpsons where I go, I have hope. Where I enjoy an episode, I go, oh, maybe next time will be also be good. Maybe they'll get two in a row. It'll be. It's been a while since we just had two in a row. Um, that's next time. You can watch along with us. Uh, appreciate everyone who does. Uh, who everyone who supports us on Patreon, appreciate that as well. Uh, before we go, you can find me online. On Twitter, at Robbie Dorman. That is my name. My name is also my website, which is RobbieDorman.com. It includes links to everything I do on the internet, um, including links to purchase my novels. I used to say purchase my horror novels, but now my newest novel is not a horror novel. It is a, a Western, a post-apocalyptic revenge Western uh, about a... I mean, uh, it's kind of horror. Lots yeah. of bad things happen to people. Matt, I hate to break to you, but bad things happen to people in basically all art. That is how you tell, in all narrative storytelling, unless you're reading literary fiction in which nothing happens and someone thinks about it real hard. Um, fair, fair. But it is a, it's a revenge western, and I think it's my best book yet. It's about an aging lady gunslinger trying to get revenge uh, on the man who wronged her, but his death is not enough. Uh, you should go check it out. I'd really appreciate it if you did it. I love you forever. And I'm not joking. If you buy my book, I love you forever. And if you leave me a five-star review on my book, I love you double forever. Don't ask me to explain what that means. <laughs> Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Uh, that is true. Uh, I spend all of my time uh, contributing to the welfare of, at the moment, 13 foster kittens. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Mm -hmm. That's more than last time. Right? It is more than the last time because what? we are kitten sitting for a friend who had to go out of town. So there are currently thirteen kittens. Well it's good that uh, it's house. good Actually, that it's good that you yourself are the only person taking care of these kittens. You know, right? you guys keep saying that, but I never said I was the only person. I just said I was helping <laughs> to take care of them. I just think it's very funny now. Because uh mm -hmm. Your wife literally texted me about it. <laughs> uh, yes, she she made that point very, to me very clear. That's why I said this time I am contributing to the upkeep of 13 kittens. So if you guys would like to see these incredibly cute kittens, you can check out Kitten Turns on Instagram, K-A-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S. And uh, if you're in the area, please adopt them uh, because they're incredibly cute. They're, it would... they're very cute, man. That one tortie, I forget its name, but it's very, I want it. I want the tortie. I mean, there's three torties. There's Nova, there's Kansas, and there's Carolina. So Nova is the specific. one. I want Nova. I don't know. I mean, she's she's the one who doesn't have an adopter yet. So I'm just uh, also I she's named know. after she's named after like uh, Rich Ryder Nova, right? Yes. Let's go with that. not Sam Alexander Nova, right? Uh, yes. Also, definitely not the school Villanova, and not Cassandra Nova. Uh, also, oh god, no, not Cassandra Nova. <laughs> It's, we're just going, we're going, not going to go into that. The deeper podcast. we're going. I mean, she's in. She's in a current. She's. I'm. I think one of the Xbox now. No, Guardians of the Galaxy. I think she's in the new Guardians of the Galaxy. Really? 
I think she's on a spaceship. It might be the X-Men books because X-Men do space stuff now, too. I don't remember. Uh, I'm not reading all that stuff. Uh, what are we What are we doing? Kittens. I was going to ask you, man, how many? But you have 13 kittens. How many cats do you have? Uh, that gets us to 19 cats. And then you have a dog. And a dog and a turtle. And a turtle. Plus your outside cats. Plus the three outdoor cats that we feed. Yes, you're correct. And the fourth bonus outdoor cat. I mean, I don't believe there's a bonus outdoor cat. I'm fairly certain Kitten Turns Instagram had a picture of the bonus cat. <laughs> okay? I mean, we do feed that Canonic- one. Canonically, it is it is a member of your family. I mean, that's true, but uh, she only comes around every once in a while. I am speaking of a possum. Not a cat at all, but sh- sure, they need a food. A possum that, that, that hides in the, the one of the cat houses we have outside, yes. <laughs> When we went and visited Matt and his wife over the last holiday break, it was in the house, and my my wife did not realize that it was not a cat at first, which I thought it was very funny. That will do it for us today. I'm Robbie, and I'm Matt. Thank you for watching The Simpsons. Shh.